How do we get out of the wilderness in the promised land? The very same way the children of Israel were going to get out. They were going to follow Joshua. And we're going to have to follow Jesus Christ. Preaching the old time gospel. With a fresh anointing to to a new generation. This is Saved to the Uttermost with evangelist Brian Tyndall. Ever find yourself in the wilderness? You know, everything's going wrong. No matter how hard you try, you can't do anything right. Just wandering in circles? Well, today, Brian Tyndale shows us that many times this wilderness experience happens because we try to go it alone without God. Our study is in Joshua chapter 1, where God brings the Israelites out of the wilderness into the promised land. So open your Bible to Joshua chapter 1 and join us for a message entitled, How to Come Out of the Wilderness. Here's Brian. You might remember in the Old Testament, the children of Israel had been in bondage in Egypt, had been in slavery in Egypt for about 400 years. And they cried out to God, and God heard their cries, and he came down, uh, and he performed miracles and put plagues on the Egyptian people. And through those plagues and through the work that God did in Egypt, uh, the Egyptians allowed the children of Israel to leave. And God led them out, and he took Moses there to be the leader of his people, and he led them out uh, into the wilderness, and he took them uh, to the very edge of the promised land, the land that he was going to give them. And he told them, he said, I want you to go in and possess this land. It's a good land. It's a wonderful place. And you're going to be blessed there. And it's the place that I want you to live. It's the place that I have prepared for you. And you might remember that the children of Israel, as they were there on the edge of that land, still in the wilderness, they sent out 12 spies. And they wanted to kind of check out the land before they went in to, uh, to claim it. And those spies went out And they found the land to be just as God had described it. In fact, when they came back, they said, uh, everything that God has said about this promised land is true. It's a wonderful land. It's flowing with milk and honey. It has all of the provisions that we need for food and, uh, and to have a place to build wonderful homes and communities for our families and for our nation. And it truly is a wonderful place. But there's a problem. Uh, there are giants that live in the promised land. And we just don't believe 10 of the 12 spies gave a bad report. And they said, we don't believe that we can go and defeat those giants in the promised land. And so they encouraged the people not to go into the promised land. Only Joshua and Caleb, only two men, uh, wanted to go in and take the land and be obedient to God. And, uh, and the majority of the Israelite people rebelled against Moses and rebelled against Joshua and Caleb. And most of all, they rebelled against the will of God, and they did not go into the promised land like God had intended them to go. And instead, they stayed in the wilderness. And God, in fact, told them, he said, my plan, my desire for your life was that you would go into the promised land and that you would be blessed and that your families would be blessed and that your nation would be blessed and that you would live all of the days of your life in this promised land with me as your God leading you, guiding you and providing for you and keeping my hand of favor and blessing on you. But because you have chosen not to do my will, because you have rebelled against my word, I'm going to allow you to stay in the wilderness. In fact, I'm going to keep you in the wilderness for 40 years. And I'm going to allow all of the adult generation that made this decision not to go into the promised land, I'm going to allow all of that adult generation, except for Joshua and Caleb, I'm going to allow that adult generation to live for 40 years in the wilderness and then die. And then I'm going to take my people into the promised land. And a large portion of the earlier books of the Old Testament tell us about some of the history and the wanderings and the conditions of the people of God as they stayed in the wilderness for 40 years. And really, here in Joshua chapter 1, what is happening is the 40 years of the children of Israel being in the wilderness is coming to a close. All of that adult generation that rebelled against God 
has died off, and God is bringing them back to the Jordan River, and and they're looking over at the promised land, and God is telling them once again, I'm going to give you this land. My plan is not for you to continue to live in the wilderness. In fact, my plan was never for you to live in the wilderness. I want to take you into the promised land. And one of the things that I've discovered in my life is that there's still people today that want to live in the wilderness or that choose to live in the wilderness, or maybe they don't choose to live in the wilderness uh, specifically or intentionally, but because of their disobedience, because of the fact that they refuse to put their faith in Christ, because of the fact they, uh, they refuse to obey the word of God and to live in the center of God's will for their life, they don't live in the promised land. They don't live in the place where God wants them to live, where they can have an abundant life here on this earth. But because of their sinfulness and because of their rebellion and disobedience to God's word, they end up living their entire life on this earth in the wilderness, you might say, rather than in the promised land and under the hand of God's blessing. And so what I want us to look at today is is I want us to see from the Word of God how the people of God in the Old Testament came out of the wilderness. How is it that they finally got out of the wilderness and came into the promised land and were able to live a life, an abundant life, uh, under the hand of God's favor? and under the hand of God's blessing. How did they come out of the wilderness? Because I believe that the way they came out is the same way that we can come out of the wilderness today if we find ourselves or our family living in a wilderness-type situation. Now, there's several metaphors or or analogies here in this story and in the context of this that I believe are applicable uh, to the New Testament and also to where we are in our lives today. The first thing I would see is that this story uh, that we're fixing to read uh, about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt and God leading his people out of Egypt into the promised land. This is the greatest story of redemption in the Old Testament. God's children were in bondage for hundreds of years and God, only God, through his power, came down and led his people out of bondage and into the promised land. And well, it, it mirrors for me God's greatest act of redemption in the New Testament. God's greatest act of redemption in the Old Testament was leading the children of Israel out of physical bondage into the promised land. I believe in the New Testament, God's greatest act of redemption was what Jesus Christ did on the cross when he sacrificed his body and shed his blood for the sins of mankind. Because we, as a result of our sin, found ourselves alienated from God, found ourselves in a type of wilderness separated from God and separated from the blessing of God. And Jesus Christ came to this earth and did for us on the cross what we could not do for ourselves. And through what Jesus Christ did on the cross and through his shed blood, mankind was able to be redeemed from our sin and from the the penalty of our sin and the consequences of our sin so that we're no longer having to live alienated lives from God, so that we're no longer having to live separated from God, but he has made it possible through Jesus Jesus Christ and his his death on the cross and his resurrection from the grave, he's made it possible for us to be redeemed from our sin and no longer to live in the consequences and the judgment of our sin, but we can live an abundant life here on this earth and an eternal life with him in heaven. But not only do I see some example there, I, I think even in the in the wilderness itself, we see something. You see, in the Old Testament, the wilderness was a real place, but it was a, it was a picture of the judgment of God. The wilderness was a picture of the judgment of God. It was a picture of the, of the consequences of the children of Israel's sin. When they refused to go into the promised land, when they refused to obey God's word, when they refused to live their life in such a way that he could bless them and that he could have his hand of favor upon them, they chose, as it were, to live in the wilderness. And the wilderness was the opposite of the promised land. The wilderness was the place of judgment. The wilderness 
wilderness was the place of difficulty. The wilderness was a hard place. The wilderness was a place where the children of Israel were not under the direct hand of God's blessing and favor, but they were under his judgment and his wrath as a result of their sin and their disobedience. And they were receiving in the wilderness the consequences of their sin. Rather than grace and mercy and forgiveness, they were receiving what they deserved as they had rebelled against God. And today, there's still people today that choose to live in a figurative wilderness. God's salvation is available. God's abundant life is available. God's eternal life is available. But many people, they choose not to enter into that abundant life, not to enter into that eternal life, not to be obedient to God and his word in such a way that they would follow him and allow him to to bless them and allow him to be able to bring that abundant life uh, into them. And that's what he desires. God desires for his people today to live in the promised land, as it were, just as he desired for the Israelites nation to live in the promised land. It was not God's choice that they lived in the wilderness. It was man's choice. It was man's disobedience. And so it is today. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If there are people today that are lost and without Christ, if there are people today that have not been saved from their sin, if there are people today that are not in the family of God, that have not been born again, that have not had their sins washed away through the blood of Jesus Christ, if there are people that die in their sins and go to hell separated from God for eternity. That is not because it's the will of God, because God's will is that we would all enter into the promised land, but we choose to rebel against God just as the nation of Israel did. And so we live as it were in the wilderness all the days of our life. And our family many times lives in that wilderness with us rather than living in the promised land. Some people today and some songs today seem to indicate that the promised land is a picture of heaven. And and, and that may be true, but I think more than it's a, a picture of a destination, I think the promised land is more of a picture of the possibility of an abundant life, even right here and right now on this earth. You see, the Bible says in John chapter 10, verse 10, that the devil has come to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants us to live in the wilderness. He wants us to live under the consequences and judgment of our sin and rebellion against God. But Jesus Christ, John 10, 10 says, has come that we might have life and that we might have that life more abundantly. Jesus Christ has come that you and I no longer have to live in the wilderness, but we can live in the promised land. We can live an abundant Christian life right here on this earth today. We can live today with salvation. We can live today with forgiveness. We can live today filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We can live today with God's hand of blessing on our life. We can have victory and peace and hope today. And we can not only have an abundant life on this earth all the days of our life, but then when we die, we can have eternal life in heaven. And so the promised land uh, is is a picture or a metaphor for us today of where God wants us to live. He doesn't want us to live in the wilderness. He wants us to live in the promised land. And then I see another uh, example here that's a powerful uh, metaphor, if you will. Notice in, in, in Joshua chapter 1 that the person that was going to be leading the children of Israel into the promised land was Joshua. Joshua, not Moses. Moses was not going to go into the promised land, but Joshua was going to be the one that God would use to lead the children of Israel into the promised land. And God would work through Joshua uh, to bless his people and to lead his people into the promised land. It's interesting that in the New Testament, Jesus Christ, the name Jesus Christ is the Greek translation of the Hebrew word Joshua. And so in, in this Old Testament passage, we have the children of Israel being led out of the wilderness into the promised land by a man by the name of Joshua, with a Hebrew name Joshua. In the New Testament, we have Jesus Christ leading his people out of the wilderness of sin into the promised land of abundant and eternal life. And when you look at those names, they're the same name. But let's look at this passage of scripture. Let's read it. Joshua chapter one, beginning with verse one. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, 
it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am going to give them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I will give to you, as I said to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of a good courage, for to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give to them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may be able to observe to do all according to the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate upon it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and of a good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Now, in this passage of Scripture, God is saying to Joshua and to the people of Israel, I don't want you to stay in the wilderness. I want you to go into the promised land. But how is it that you get from the wilderness? If you find yourself in the wilderness, which the children of Israel did because of sin, because of disobedience, because of rebellion against God, they found themselves in the wilderness and not in the promised land because of their sin and their disobedience and their rebellion. But he wanted them in the promised land. He wanted them in a place that he could bless them, in a place that he could use them, in a place where he could put his hand of favor upon them. And it's the same in our life. If we find ourselves in a type of wilderness today, if we look at our life, if we look at our family's life and we say, you know, Brian, um, if I look at my life today, that's what I feel like I'm in. I feel like I'm in a type of wilderness. I don't feel like I'm in the promised land. I feel like I'm in the wilderness. I don't feel like I'm under the hand of God's blessing. I feel like I'm under the hand of God's judgment. I don't feel like I'm having an abundant life. I feel like I'm struggling in life and, and that things are not going the way that I want them to go and certainly not going the way that God would want them to go in my family. I just don't feel like that I am living in the promised promised land where God has his hand of favor upon me and I'm growing spiritually and I'm uh, producing spiritual fruit and I'm accomplishing what God would have me to accomplish with my life and, and, and our family's not accomplishing what God would have our family to accomplish. Brian, I feel like, I feel like we're living more in the wilderness than we are in the promised land. Well, then how if that's true, how do we get from the wilderness to the promised land? Well, the first thing I think we see is there's a person that has to take us out of the wilderness. And, and that was true even with the children of Israel. He was not going to let them just go any way. They were going to be led out of the wilderness by a person. And that person was Joshua. Notice it says in verse 1, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun. Moses, my servant, is not dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am going to give to them. So Joshua was going to be the key to leading the people of Israel out of the wilderness into the promised land. In the same way, we are told in the New Testament that the modern day Joshua, the modern day Jesus, the one that is reflected here, Joshua in the Old Testament, Jesus in the New Testament, Jesus Christ is the one that leads his people, is the one that leads the people of God out of the wilderness into the promised land. You see, what we try to do is we try to do it in our own strength. We look at our lives and we see that things aren't going right. We see that we're, we're not where we need to be and things are not the way they ought to be. And so we begin to try to, to do things in our own strength. We try to turn over a new leaf. We try to be a better person. We try to read books so that we can do some, some self-help 
Uh, we try to go to some seminars. We try to get more education so we can better ourselves and, and get a better job and live in a better house and drive a nicer car and wear nicer clothes. And, and somehow we think that we can lift ourselves out of the wilderness and out of the, the situation that we see ourselves and our family in and that we can do something in our own strength to take ourselves out of the wilderness into the promised land, that we can do something ourselves to take us out of the judgment of God into the favor of God, into the blessing of God. My friends, I'm here to tell you something. God told the children of Israel, if you want to leave this wilderness and you want to get into the promised land, there's one way and it's through one person and that person is Joshua. And in the New Testament, he says that person is Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except by me. In the book of Acts, it says that there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ is the only person. Jesus Christ is the only name. Jesus Christ is the only way that anybody can get out of the wilderness into the promised land. Now, some people are in the wilderness because... They are lost. They've never been saved. They've never put their faith in Christ. They've never humbled themselves and confessed and repented of their sins and called on Jesus Christ for salvation. And if you've never done that, then yes, you're going to be in the wilderness. I don't care how much education you get. I don't care how good a job you have. I don't care how much money you make. I don't care how big a house you live in. I don't care how nice a car you drive. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you are rebelling against Jesus Christ and you you are rebelling against his word. You can try as hard as you want to in this life to have an abundant life, to have a blessed life, to have a life that, that is, is peaceful and happy and fulfilling. But I'm telling you something, no matter how hard you try without Jesus Christ, you're going to find yourself in the wilderness because Anybody that rejects Christ, anybody that's not living in a right relationship with Christ, Jesus Christ is going to make sure that they are suffering under the consequences of that rebellion. But there's also many Christians, many people that have been saved, that rather than living in the promised land, they're living in the wilderness. The children of Israel went out of the wilderness into the promised land following Joshua but it wasn't too many years they found themselves, even as the people of God living in the promised land, that they were rebelling against God. And on more than one occasion, God sent his people into captivity again, Babylon being an example. He sent them into captivity again, into a type of wilderness again, even though they were living in the promised land, even though they were people of God, when they rebelled against him, when they rebelled against his will, when they rebelled against his word, he allowed them to move right right back into a wilderness type situation where they were under the judgment of God and they were in, living in a situation that was less than what God would have for them. And it, they were living in a situation where they were not living under the favor of God, but under the wrath of God and suffering the consequences of their sin. And that happened on more than one occasion, even after they went into the promised land. And that's true today. Just because you're saved, just because there's been a time in your life where you repented of your sins and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that does not necessarily uh, mean that you're going to live every day of the rest of your life in a promised land type scenario. As Christians, if we backslide, as Christians, if we rebel against God, as Christians, if we decide that we're going to disobey God's word, we can find ourselves right back in a dry wilderness place. We can find ourselves right back in a scenario where we are not under the blessing of God and we're not living an abundant life, but we're back in the wilderness and we're back under the judgment and the consequences of our sin and rebellion. So how is it if I'm lost, how do I get out of the wilderness into the promised land? If I'm a Christian that has backslidden or ha has ended up back in the wilderness, even though I'm saved, I'm living in a dry place. I'm living in a place of judgment. I'm living in a place where I'm suffering the consequences of my sin and rebellion. And maybe my family is there in the wilderness with me as a result of this sin and this rebellion. How do we get out of the wilderness in the promised land? The very same way the children of Israel were going to get out. They were going to follow Joshua.
And we're going to have to follow Jesus Christ. We're going to have to turn to him, put our faith in him, confess our sin to him, repent of our sin, and turn to him and to him alone and say, Jesus, I am going to be your follower. I want you to be the Savior and Lord of my life. And from this day forward, all the days of my life, with the strength and the faith that you give me, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to be your disciple. I'm going to live for you, worship you, serve you all the days of my life. And then, and then alone, can we find ourselves in the promised land and under the abundant life and the eternal life that God intended for us to live. He tells them in verse four that they are going to have to go back and they're going to have to cross over into the promised land. Now, that seems like a simple thing, but when you begin to think about it, This is the very same command that he gave them 40 years earlier when they rebelled. He brought them to the promised land. He said, this is the promised land. This is my will for you. This is where I want you to live. This is where I want you to go. Go into the promised land, and I'm going to bless your life. And they said no. And as a result of saying no, and as a result of disobeying God and rebelling against his word and his will, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. And after 40 years in the wilderness, God provides a person to lead them out of the wilderness into the promised land, just like God has provided Jesus Christ for us. But he brought the children of Israel there, and he says, you're going to have to follow Joshua. He says, but you're also going to have to do something else. You're going to have to go back and be willing to do what you were not willing to do to start with. You're going to have to be obedient to what you were not willing to be obedient to 40 years ago. And let me just say, that same condition applies to us if we want to get out of the wilderness into the promised land. God is going to bring us back to that very same place. Whatever it is that he told us to do in the past that we've not been willing to do, whatever it is that he told us in the past that we've not been willing to be obedient to that caused us to be in the wilderness rather than the promised land, he's going to bring that same thing back and he's going to say, you were disobedient to me in the past in order to get out of the wilderness into the promised land, you're going to have to become obedient to what I told you to do in the past that you were not willing to be obedient to. For the children of Israel, it was crossing over into the promised land. He had told them 40 years ago, go into the promised land. They said no. As a result of saying no, they spent 40 years in the wilderness. Now, 40 years later, he brings them back to the same place, to the same land, and gives them the same command. Go in and take this land. And this time, they said yes. They had to do what they had been unwilling to do in the past in order to get out of the wilderness into the promised land. Now, for some of us, what we've been unwilling to do in the past is we've been unwilling to give our lives to Jesus Christ. Maybe we went to church. Maybe we played a religious game. Maybe we've been baptized. Maybe we even joined the church. Maybe we've been religious. Maybe we've tried to do as good as we could do in our own human strength, but we were unwilling to yield our lives completely and totally to Jesus Christ and put our faith in him and in him alone and confess and repent of our sins in sincerity and allow him to be Savior and Lord of our lives and live this life in faithful obedience to him as his disciple following him through this life. And so if we've been unwilling to do that in the past and that's caused us to live in the wilderness, what God is saying to us today is you can get out of the wilderness and go into the promised land. You can live a life, an abundant life here on this earth and an eternal life with me in heaven. But the only way you can do it is to follow Jesus Christ, to become a follower of Jesus Christ and allow him to lead you out of the wilderness into the promised land. And you have to be willing to do today what you were unwilling to do in the past. And for some of us, that is give our lives to Jesus Christ. But for those of us that have already been saved and yet we've backslidden and we, we were saved, but for some reason we have been disobedient to God. We have uh, rebelled against his word or his will in some way. And it's caused us to come back into this position of wilderness. For us, it's not salvation. 
But whatever it is that we have sinned against God, whatever it is that we've been unwilling to be obedient to, whatever it is that's caused us to backslide, God's going to bring us back to that thing. And he's going to say, you've got to deal with this. You've got to surrender this sin, this bad habit, whatever it is that you've been unwilling to do in the past, you're going to have to be willing to do in the future if you want to get out of this wilderness and get back into the promised land. But not only that, Notice that he tells them, actually tells them more than uh, one time. He says uh, in verse 6, be strong. And then in verse 7, he says, only be strong. And so he tells them in verse 9, have I not commanded you be strong? So three times in just a few verses, he says, I want you to be strong. And in fact, you're not going to be able to get out of the wilderness into the promised land until you are able to be strong. And here he's not talking about being strong in our own strength. We can never be strong enough in our own strength to get us out of the wilderness into the promised land. He's talking about being strong in the Lord. He's talking about being strong spiritually. He's talking about putting on the whole armor of God and then being able to resist the devil and the temptations that come our way. He's talking about being strong in the Lord. And that's what's going to have to happen in our lives if we want to get out of the wilderness into the promised land. We're going to have to be strong spiritually. We're going to have to be strong in the Lord. And some of us today, uh, we don't want to do that. We want to try to do things in our own strength. We want to try to live in our own strength. We want to try to do uh, everything in our own strength. And I'm telling you, as long as we do that, we're going to fail. As long as we're trying to do it ourselves, as long as we're trying to do it with our own strength, with our own goodness, with our own religion, with our own good works, with our own intellect, with our own ability, with our own money, with our own resources, as long as we're trying to do it in our own strength, we're going to continue to suffer in the wilderness under the judgment and consequences of our sin. It's only when we turn to Jesus Christ and follow Jesus Christ and become obedient to Jesus Christ that he says to us, I will give you the strength that you need. I will be your strength. I'll put my Holy Spirit inside of you. I will put my power inside of you. The power that allowed Jesus Christ to perform miracles, the power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead, he will give us spiritual strength to live the kind of life that we need to live and in an obedient way that we need to live in order to live in the promised land and under uh, the favor of God where we can have an abundant life. But you see, so many people, we just want it to be easy. We just want, you know, well, if I go to church, I want to live in the promised land. If I, if I say, you know, the blessing or pray before meals, then I want to live in the promised land. I, I just want to come and say some kind of magical prayer, and then I want everything to be wonderful in my life. Let me tell you something. It is hard to live in the promised land. The children of Israel, they were right about one thing. When they went and spied out the land, what they discovered was there's giants in that land. And even though God wanted them to go take that land, and even though God was going to give them that land in the promised land, they were going to have to fight to get it. They were going to have to fight those giants to take the land. And so that they were going to have to be strong. They were going to have to be spiritually strong. They were going to have to take a stand and be strong spiritually. And I'm telling you today, if you want to live in the promised land and not in the wilderness, you're going to have to be strong. You're going to have to be strong in the Lord. You're going to have to grow spiritually. You're going to have to read the Bible. You're going to have to allow the Bible to help you to grow up spiritually and be strong. You're going to have to spend time in prayer. You're going to have to become obedient to the will and the word of God. And it's not always going to be easy. There's going to be temptations. There's going to be problems. There's going to be death. There's going to be tragedy. Satan is going to bring everything in this world and everything that he can into your life to discourage you and the only only way that you're going to be able to live in the promised land instead of the wilderness is if you remain strong in the Lord. But notice he not only told them to be strong, he also told them to be courageous, to have faith. He said in verse 6, be good and of a good courage. In verse 7, he said, be strong and very 
courageous. In verse 9, he says, Have I not commanded you to be strong and of a good courage? Do not be afraid. And you know, that was the main thing that had kept the children of Israel in bondage in the wilderness for 40 years. If you think back with me, when the spies went and spied out the promised land and they came back, the reason they said they could not go into the promised land, the reason they said they would not go into the promised land is because there were giants in that land and they said we were afraid of them. In fact, they said when those people saw us, we looked like grasshoppers to them and we looked like grasshoppers ourselves. When we looked at how big they were and we looked at ourselves, we saw how small we were, how big they were. We saw how difficult it was going to be to fight against those people. We saw how hard it was going to be, and we were too afraid to go into the promised land. Even though God had given it to us, even though we knew that it was the will of God that we live in the promised land, we were paralyzed by fear, and so our fear kept us in the wilderness. Fear is the opposite of faith. And faith is what takes us into the promised land. Faith is what causes us to live under the hand of God's blessing. Faith is what brings eternal life into our life. It is impossible to please God without faith. And fear is what Satan uses. He knows that fear will keep us in the wilderness And that faith is the only thing that will keep us in the promised land. And so God is encouraging us through his Holy Spirit and through his word. He's encouraging us all the time. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. In fact, that's one of the most repeated phrases in the Bible. Don't be afraid. He's telling his people, don't be afraid. Just follow me and obey me and you can live in the promised land and you can live an abundant life and you can have eternal life if you'll put your faith in me and live your life through faith. And yet Satan is there all the time. And he's putting fear into us. Well, what if I do this and I can't follow through? What if I, I give my life to Christ and, and then I, I, I fall back or I, I get back into sin? Uh, he, he puts fear. You know, what, what will people say? What will my friends think? Uh, well, I don't know if I can live in the minority and not be in the majority. I don't know if I can live with being unpopular rather than popular. I don't know if I can, uh, you know, I would rather be politically correct than be in the minority. And so he paralyzes us by fear. And people today are paralyzed by fear. They don't like to think. We don't like to think that we are paralyzed by fear. But the truth is we live in a generation that is paralyzed by fear. We're afraid of the past and the things that we've done in the past. We're afraid of the, the present. We're afraid of what faces us today. Uh, we're afraid of, you know, will the money run, run out? Uh, what's going to happen in the world? Is there going to be another war? Uh, is the stock market going to crash? Am I going to be able to pay for my house? How am I going to educate my children? children. We are paralyzed by fear. We're afraid of the future. What does the future hold? Are we going to be able to make it? Are we going to be all right? You see, we are paralyzed by fear and that fear keeps us in the wilderness. How do you get out of the wilderness? Well, you do what Jesus said. You have courage. You have courage. You have courage. You have faith, not fear. The Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. He's not giving us a spirit of fear. If you're living your life today and you're afraid of everything and everybody and every situation and every circumstance, then that is why you are in the wilderness. And you're never going to get out of that wilderness and you're never going to live in the promised land until you're willing to put your faith in Christ and in Christ alone and until you're willing to get up every day of your life and take up your cross and follow Jesus Christ as a person that has faith and say, I know it doesn't look possible, but I believe God. I know it's not going to be easy, but I believe God. I know that the majority are not going to do it, but I believe God. I know I'm not going to be popular, but I believe God. I refuse to continue to live in the wilderness because of my fear. I'm going to put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to follow him out of this wilderness and into the promised land and into the abundant life and into eternal life as one that has faith in Jesus Christ. He tells them in verse 8, he says, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, 
that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And so finally he tells them, uh, there's another condition to you getting out of the wilderness and into the promised land. And this condition is the word of God and your relationship to the word of God. He says, in the past, you knew the word of God, you knew what God said, but you were not willing to be obedient to it. You were not willing to follow the word of God. And he said, and look where it got you. You spent 40 years in the wilderness when you could have been in the promised land. And so what does he tell them today? He says, you're going to have to put a priority on the word of God. He tells them three things. He says, the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. This Bible shall not depart from your mouth. It's going to have to be on your lips. This book's going to have to be on your lips. It's going to have to be in your mouth. You're going to have to read it. You're going to have to study it. You're going to have to share it. The Word of God is important. And today, people are not reading the Word of God. They're not studying the Word of God. They're not having devotions with the Word of God. They're not obeying the Word of God. And then we wonder why we're in the wilderness. And the Bible tells us, God told these people, Jesus Christ tells us, if you want to come out of the wilderness into the promised land, the word of God is the key. Isn't it interesting that one of the main things that could help us to get out of the wilderness into the promised land is a book that's probably on some shelf in our house collecting dust. And if we would go get that book and dust it off and open it up, and read it and put that word that's in that book in our mouth and on our lips on a daily, regularly basis, it could help us get out of the wilderness into the promised land. But notice he says more than that. He said, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You shall study it. You shall, uh, you know, it's not just something you read and forget about. No, you meditate on it day and night. You think about it. You you put it in the practice in your life. You, you study it. As uh, Paul told Timothy in the New Testament, you study to show yourself the proved workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, rightly dividing the word of God. And so... Um, if I want to get out of the wilderness into the promised land, not only is the word of God going to have to be on my lips, it's going to have to be on my mind. It's going to have to be saturating my mind. I'm going to have to be thinking about meditating on studying the word of God. And then he says, and that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. It's not just enough for the word of God to be on your lips. It's not just enough to read the Bible. You can read the Bible every day and still be in the wilderness. It's not enough even to meditate on the Word of God. It's not enough even to study the Word of God. I know people that have studied the Word of God to the point that they know the Word of God better than I know the Word of God. And I've been a Christian for 27, 28 years. I've, I've, I've got a religion degree. I've got a seminary degree. I've pastored churches. And yet I know lay people that probably know this book better than I do. And they're living in the wilderness. They're not living in the promised land. They're not living under the hand of God's blessing and the hand of God's favor. Why? Because it's not, it, we do need to read it. It does need to be on our lips. It does need to be in our hearts and minds. We do need to study it. We do need to meditate on it. We do need to, to saturate our lives with it. But he says, you also have to obey it. You've got to put it into practice. You have got to obey the word of God. Why were the children of Israel in the wilderness? Because they didn't know what the will of God was. They knew exactly what the will of God was. God had given them his word. They knew that it was his will that they would go into the promised land. And yet they disobeyed his word and it caused them to live in the wilderness. How was it they were going to get out of the wilderness into the promised land? They were going to have to become obedient to the word of God. You you and I, if we want to live in the promised land, if we want to live an abundant Christian life, if we want to have eternal life, if we want to live a life that God can keep his hand of favor and blessing on us, we're going to have to get our lives in obedience to the word of God. And I want you to see that what God promised his people, uh, he made them several promises. He says, if you will do these things, if you will follow Joshua into the promised land, if you will go back and become obedient to what I told you to do in the past that you were not obedient to, if you will be strong, not be weak, but you'll be strong. Uh, he says, if you'll have faith and not fear, he says, if you'll 
read and study and obey my word, I'll lead you out of this wilderness into the promised land. And God's telling us that same thing today. If you will become a follower of Jesus Christ, if you'll decide today to follow Jesus the rest of the days of your life, if you'll go back and do that, which you've not been willing to do in the past, if you'll become obedient now in the future, if you will stop uh, trying to come up with some way on your own to make your life better. But if you'll stand strong in my strength, in my spirit, in my power, if you will put on uh, not the flesh and the things of the flesh, but if you'll put on the whole armor of God spiritually, if you'll stand strong, if you will quit living in fear of what people think and what's going to happen and what, what people are going to do, if you'll put away fear and start living in faith, I'll take you into the promised land. If you'll get this Bible off of the shelf and dust it off where you've been neglecting it and you've not been reading it and you've not been studying it and you've not been being obedient to it, if you'll get your family and you'll read the Word of God to them and you'll begin to study the Word of God and you'll go to church and hear the Word of God, God preached and taught and you'll begin to saturate your life with the word of God and and put into practice this word make sure that your life is in obedience to this word he said I will take you out of the wilderness into the promised land and notice he gives them several things that he'll do for them the first thing he tells them he says I will enlarge your territory uh, in verse 3 he told him every place that the sole of your foot will will tread upon I will give to you from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and the land of the Hittites, and the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. In other words, he says, if you will do these things that I've commanded you to do, I'll bring you out of the wilderness into the promised land, and I will expand your territory. I will expand your territory. And God will do that for us. You see, we, we live in the wilderness thinking that we can make a better life for ourselves than God can make for us. But that's not true. That's a lie of the devil. The Bible says in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. What we do is we spend our lives seeking after the things rather than God and his righteousness. And as a result, we don't get the things or God and his righteousness. We've, we have things backwards. Do you want to get out of the wilderness into the promised land? Seek God first, and then he will give you these things. He will expand your territory in a way that you could never do it yourself. And then notice he says, verse 5, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Wouldn't you like to be able to claim that promise? Wouldn't you like to be able to say, I know that because I'm in the will of God, and I'm a child of God, and I'm filled with the Spirit of God, uh, and I have the blessings of God and the favor of God on my life, and I'm living an abundant life here and an eternal life in the future, I know that no man can stand against me. God has promised me that no man would be able to stand against me all the days of my life. That promise can be yours. He told them, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Imagine, imagine how our lives would be radically changed today. Imagine how our families would be radically changed today. Imagine how our business would be radically changed today. Imagine how our community, our nation, the world would be radically changed today if people would come out of the wilderness into the promised land. If they had this promise of God that as I was with Moses, and he was with Moses in a powerful way, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you if you'll come out of the wilderness and if you'll follow me. I'll be with you. I'll never forsake you. I'll never leave you all the days of your life. And when you die, when you breathe your last breath on this earth, your next breath will be with me in heaven. I will never forsake you nor leave you all the days of your life. Wouldn't you like to be able to claim that promise? Wouldn't you like to know that your family and your children could claim that promise? What greater inheritance could they have? Not money, not possessions, not worldly things. The Bible says, what would it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his own soul? And there's a lot of people living in this life today that rather than living in the promised land of God's blessing are living in the wilderness of God's wrath and God's judgment. And the reason that they are is because... They're not willing to be obedient to Jesus Christ. My friends, will you turn to him today?
Will you put your faith in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone? Will you confess your sin to him today and ask for his forgiveness? Will you repent of your sin as he gives you strength? Will you turn away from your sin and turn to Christ and begin to follow him and live in obedience to him and to his word? If you will, my friend, he'll take you out of the wilderness of where you are today and he'll place you and he'll bring you into the promised land, into an abundant Christian life and into a life that ultimately is going to be an eternal life. I pray that you would not spend one more night. I pray that none of us would spend one more night in the wilderness, but that we would follow Jesus Christ out of the wilderness and into the promised land. In Jesus' name, amen. Out of the wilderness into the abundant life. You're listening to Save to the Uttermost. Our teacher is evangelist Brian Tyndall, founder and president of Uttermost Evangelism. And today, if God has shown you that you need salvation, that you need to come out of the wilderness and into the promised land, we'd like to share with you a special book Brian has written entitled Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift. According to Brian, there are five aspects of salvation, why all people need to be saved, how God has made our salvation possible, why anyone can be saved, what salvation really is, and how we receive God's gift of salvation. And we'd like to send you a copy absolutely free as our gift to you. If you'd like a copy of Salvation, Man's Greatest Need, God's Greatest Gift, then simply visit our website to request a copy, uttermostevangelism.org. Simply click on the banner at the bottom of the page. That website again is uttermostevangelism.org. You can also write us at P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. That's P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi. That's P-O-N-T-O-T-O-C, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Or you can call us at 662-372-1912. That's 662-372-1912. The title of today's message was How to Come Out of the Wilderness. If you'd like to hear the message again or get a copy for a friend, visit the website uttermostevangelism.org and click on Sermons to hear this message and others that you've heard on the radio or contact us about requesting a CD copy. Again, our website is uttermostevangelism.org. Uttermost Evangelism and the Save to the Uttermost program is supported by gifts from people just like you. If you enjoy the program, please help us continue the broadcast so that others can be blessed as well. Your giving sustains us and advances kingdom growth. Our address again is Uttermost Evangelism, P.O. Box 7, Pontotoc, Mississippi, 38863. Or give online at uttermostevangelism.org. Thanks for listening today and join us again next time. Remember, Jesus is able to save to the uttermost those that come to God through him. God bless. Save to the Uttermost is provided by Uttermost Evangelism, Pontotoc, Mississippi.